Today's message is entitled, Death of a Tabernacle, Birth of a Temple. Death of a Tabernacle, Birth of a Temple. When we look at this aspect of a death of a tabernacle, we talk about the birth of a temple, we're talking about edifices or buildings or a place where God was supposed to dwell. And so when we look at this text today, we're going to talk about the importance of having a building, the importance of having a place where God can reside. And so this whole aspect of going from a tabernacle to a temple in between that process is the resurrection. So we'll tie that up all together, but this message as it relates to the family business, if you're going to be a franchise, a franchisee who's working for the franchisor, who is God, who is over the kingdom, who has enlisted you to serve him, then you need a building. Every business needs a hub. Every business, every place of service needs a place you call headquarters. It's the place where you keep your data. It's the place where you make your decisions. It's it's your place, the place where you have your meetings. And so every business needs a place of operation. Will it be a tabernacle or will it be a temple? The place is important because it establishes, watch this now, write these down. I'm going to give you four things. The place is important because it establishes presence. So first of all, when you have the place, it establishes presence. When business is open and you put in your address on your website, you establish a presence in the city. Your presence is in Inglewood or Los Angeles or Long Beach. In other words, whatever your address is, whatever your place is, you establish presence. That becomes your location. Watch this now. And now if you don't have a place, if you don't have a building, then no one can see you because you don't have presence. Watch this. Number one is place. Number two is presence. But when you have presence, watch this, you can make promises to potential customers. So whenever you have a place, then you have a presence in the community and you have an address where people can go to, which now you can make promises to potential customers. In other words, because I have a place and I have a presence in the community, my presence in the community makes a promise to do something for those who visit my place. Are you tracking with me? So the first one is place. The second one is presence. The third one is promise. But when I make a promise to the customer, those promises, ah, watch this, lead to production. Somebody say production. So that when I get an order, watch this, when my place establishes a presence and I make a promise to a customer, a customer pays me, then I can produce the thing that they need. Ah, watch this now. Let me go back. I'm moving a little fast, fast. Lee Mac, let me slow it down. When you have a place, a building, be it tabernacle or temple, you establish your presence. Your presence then allows you to be able to make promises to your customers. 
Your promises then can be made to your customers, which will lead to production. You need people and workers to produce something. But here's the last one. Ah, thank God for it. Production then leads to profit. Ah. So if you have a place that establishes presence, which enables you to make promises to potential customers and you produce, you have production where you can produce the items they desire when they pay for that, you establish profit. Somebody say profit. So your business benefits, the kingdom benefits because we have started with a place. Somebody say, I need a place. Without a presence, listen to what I'm saying. Without a presence, you are working only for those on the inside of the house. Listen to me carefully. Whenever you have a place, you establish a franchise, you are opening to do business with the outside. But whenever you don't have a presence, uh, God, I like that word presence. When you don't have a presence in the community or in your family or with your neighbors, your neighbors don't even know who you are. Your coworkers don't even know you haven't established a presence then all of your spirituality functions for you. And so everything that you do is for work on the inside of the house and it never gets outside of the house. In other words, you have no impact outwardly because no one knows what's going on in your house. That don't make sense in a minute. Let me tell you the difference then between the tabernacle and the temple. I want to define this to help you understand the difference because one is better than the other. As we said, the title of the message is death of the tabernacle, but the birth of the temple. So that's where we want to get. Now the tabernacle, listen, the tabernacle and the temple were two holy places that housed God. Now I don't want you to miss this. The tabernacle was a holy place. I want you to understand that. It it was a holy place. So it's not like the death of something that didn't ever work at all. No, we're talking about the death of something that served its purpose in its time and revealed its functionality to house God. But here's the difference. One was temporary and the other was permanent. Ah, the tabernacle was a tent, which meant as they moved from place to place, they didn't have a home. They didn't have a building. They had to move from place to place, like many ministries do. They move from place to place because they don't own their own building. So the tent has to be temporary. We used to have to have storage space. We used to have to have trucks and vans because whenever we set up at a place we don't own, we have to tear it down and put it back in the storage. How many of you want to live without the trouble of having to tear down and set up every time you need to do something? How many want a permanent kind of presence with God to where he's just always there? You don't have to summons him up. You don't have to do your rosary bead or do 12 Hail Marys or anoint yourself with oil, but the presence of the Lord is always with you. That's all right. It's going it's going to come together. So the tabernacle why Watch this. The tabernacle symbolizes nakedness. The tabernacle symbolizes nakedness, meaning you're not clothed upon. In other words, there's no 
complete permanent covering over you. You're stripped of your clothes daily. Uh, the tabernacle symbolizes mortality, meaning that it will come to an end. The tabernacle is temporary. The tabernacle is easily torn down and rebuilt. I hope somebody's getting a concept of understanding the difference between being torn down and built up every time you need to do something in and out of relationships. We broke up and we back together. We broke up, we back together. We broke up, we back together. Anybody tired of the roller coaster of life, unclothed, immortal, permanent, and not easy to tear down? But the house, listen, the house or the building, the place of permanence, the temple is where it symbolizes being clothed upon. In other words, you put, you put permanent stuff there. You don't just use wood. You use things that, that it symbolize permanence. It also symbolizes immortality. In other words, this will remain forever. Once you walk into this zone of your walk with God, you will walk into it again. It, it always. Listen to me. When Joseph, when Joseph went to Egypt, Joseph was poor, was broke. He was thro- He was a slave. He served Potiphar. He went to jail, all of that. But let me tell you something. Joseph had a whole lot of stuff going wrong in his life. But once he became the king or the second in command in Egypt, let me tell you something. None of that other stuff happened again. What I'm trying to get you to see is that there is a point in your walk with God where you get to a season where his presence and anointing is on your life and you arrive to the place of your destination. And all of that hell and drama you used to go through is no longer. That is the life of the tabernacle. But we need a life of a temple where God is always with us and we establish our walk in our destiny using our gifts and our calling to the maximum potential of who God has created and designed us to be. I hope somebody is hearing me. The purpose of this temple is to set it up on a foundation, to build it so it is not easily torn down. Ah, God. Christians who see somebody criticizes you and you tuck tail and cry and run to your room and say, oh, they hurt me. Oh, I'm so offended. I'm so, you easily torn down. You ain't nothing but a tabernacle. But people who have been walking with God can handle the heat. We can handle the demise. We can handle the ridicule and the persecution. I preached about that two weeks ago. So in essence, we're going to talk about how the power of Christ's resurrection allows for the switching from temporary things that have lost the one thing that makes them effective for something more permanent that gives us back the one thing we need to reach more people with impact. I'm going to teach you about this one thing. Notice I mentioned this one thing, and that is to be explained. Stick with me. Let's look at some text because I don't want you to think I'm making this up, Tony. So I want to give you some scripture to let you know what I'm talking about. Second Chronicles 1, 1 through 4 reads as follows. It says, and Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord, his God, was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. Here's what he said. So Solomon and all the congregation with him, listen, watch this now, 
went to the high place that was at Gibeon. I want you to pay attention to Gibeon. He went to the high place that was at Gibeon for there was the tabernacle. The tabernacle was at Gibeon. The tabernacle was at Gibeon of the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. I told you the tabernacle is the tent in the wilderness. Now watch this verse four. Here it is. The one thing, but the ark of God had David brought up from Kirjath-Jazarim to the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to understand that the tabernacle was at Gibeon, but the ark of God was at Jerusalem. Watch this now. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was supposed to house the Ark of God. It was in the Holy of Holies. In other words, it was in the third chamber of the tabernacle, the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place. The tabernacle then was supposed to house the Ark of God because the Ark of God represented the presence of God. Now, but here the text said the tabernacle was at Gibeon, but the Ark is in Jerusalem. Oh, shucks now, wait a minute. What are you talking about, Pastor Cherry? The ark was at Jerusalem with David, but the tabernacle was in Gibeon. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me make this plain. Here's point number one. There was a tabernacle with no ark. You don't want to be a tabernacle with no ark. Let's talk about a facility that was built for God. We've already said that the tabernacle was built for God. But his presence was no longer there. Uh, watch this now. So things had happened in, in the life of, lives of Israel and the Jews. And so now they still had the tabernacle. They clearly were going back to it. Solomon brought all the people to him. And remember, David was the one who wanted to build the temple, but God didn't allow him to build it. Solomon, his son, would. But right now, they still have the tabernacle. We talked about that last week on the, the, the Palm Sunday, about how we were leading up to that and so on and so forth. So let's talk about this place being built for God, but he was no longer living there. The ark symbolized the presence of the almighty God. So he had a tabernacle, but no presence. Oh, you're going to get it now. As long as the ark was present, they could win battles and God was with them. Let me go back. I got to unpack this preachy Cheryl. In other words, as long as there is a tabernacle with the ark of God, then that meant God was present. So let's go back to place, presence, uh, promise, uh, production, profit. All of those things begin with the place, but you have to have the presence. So the ark symbolizes the presence of God. And as long as the ark is with you, you can win. Somebody say, I can win with God. The tabernacle was functioning. Listen to me carefully, Joy. The tabernacle was functioning, but without God. Ah, God, watch this now. I wonder how many people have a tent, a tabernacle. In other words, you grew up in church. You got all the form and the fashion of church and religiosity, but the ark 
is not, the presence of God is not on your life. You can't pray nobody through. You can't anoint or heal nobody. You can't believe and have faith to move a mountain, but you've got all the accoutrements of, of the tabernacle. In other words, everything is there. I want you to see that Solomon was taking the people up to the tabernacle, but God was not there. It had all the form and the fashion, but no God. How many Christians have all the look and they can say all the right words? Oh, glory, glory. Oh, yeah, she came on a Honda. Yeah, all of that. You know, you thought that was tongues. No, I'm just I'm just saying something real fast. So all of the form and all of the rituals, but you don't have a God. The tabernacle was much like some of the churches today. The tent is still there, but the ark is gone. How many remember Ichabod? Do you remember the term Ichabod? It means God has left the building. Oh, before Elvis even existed and said he has left the building, there is a sign, there is a place where you can have a structured edifice, but no God. That is Ichabod. That means God is no longer with you. So in other words, you still cooking dinner. You still feeding the kids. You still going to work every day. You still doing whatever it is, but you have no God. And where there is where there is no God, you have no presence. And you need to get out of that tabernacle and move over to a temple. And thank God for the resurrection because he makes that possible. We used to have church. You know, people say, oh, yeah, we used to have. Have you ever gone to your old church? Have you ever gone to your, but it just ain't the same. In other words, God has moved on from that. In other words, some folk are so steeped and stuck in tradition, they won't change with the move of the spirit. And so God says, I'll go somewhere else then. It's the same thing with the gospel where Jesus came as the Messiah to the Jews, but they rejected him. So he said, all right, you don't want me. I'll go to the Gentiles. Don't get locked up thinking that in a tabernacle, that's temporary. There is nothing permanent about that. And so you need to position your life to make that transition from tabernacle to temple. Watch this now. The tabernacle then, the tent was still there. And we, you know, you used to have church. You, you, you like to remember stuff, but you can't make new memories. People who refuse to change will never rise. Uh, watch this now. So watch this now. When we talk about resurrection, resurrection is connected to change. Uh, there is no resurrection without a change. There is no rising. Who says to you, you get a promotion, but nothing changes? That's not a promotion, dummy. Listen to me. You can't give me a new title. You can't give me a new mo- money. You can't give me a new parking spot. In other words, if you say you're giving me a promotion, something has to change. Uh, and so many people think that they're moving forward with God, but you have no presence. Nothing has really changed. You just a few years older, boo. That's all. You got a few more gray hairs and a few more wrinkles and a few extra pinch. Let me explain this to you. Let me go on further. Let me get off this. You don't want me to you want me to stay here. Let me explain this. Let me talk about the ark for a second. The ark. Listen, I never realized this before. The ark was not always with the tabernacle. I just assumed it was. I just assumed that wherever the tabernacle went, that the ark went, but it wasn't. Moses, tap, listen to this. Listen, here's some history. I'm gonna give you some notes. I've done all the reading and I'm giving it to you for free. Moses, tap, we're in, we, we, we were just in Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles. So in the previous book, 
Moses' tabernacle was last mentioned in 1 Chronicles 21, 29. In other words, the tabernacle is no longer front and center. It's not the priority of dialogue. It was last mentioned in 1 Chronicles 21, 29. You ought to know when something fading, something is fading in your life and God is trying to raise you to the place of change. The ark was not always with the tabernacle. Listen to this. It was stolen. Somebody came and stole it. The Philistines stole it. And the Bible says that as long as the Philistines had the ark of God with them, they were winning the battle. And David said, "Uh uh-uh, you crazy? I'm getting this ark back. David goes back and steals the ark from the Philistines. That's in 2 Samuel 6. And then he builds a tent for it. So that's how the, the ark got with David because the ark got stolen in the first place. And then David goes and gets it back and builds the the uh, tent for it and never gets it back into the tabernacle. So the ark disappeared after the fall in 586 when they were kept uh, captivated in exile. And it was in the temple that Solomon built when they came back to build the temple. We talked about that last week when they came back to build the temple, then they put the ark in the temple. Uh, Do you get it? Was in the tabernacle, got lost. David got it back built a tent for it. When they built the temple, the permanent house, put the ark in the temple. Now, when the temple went down, when the temple went down and was crushed uh, uh, later on uh, and, uh, and the Jews were destroyed, then the ark is lost for good. Ah, now that does not matter. Why? Because now God lives where? In our hearts. Uh-oh, I'm setting you up. So then, if this now is the edifice or the building, what are we, temple or tabernacle? I'm getting you, I'm getting you good. So watch this. It seemed to be a battle, though, to keep the ark safe. And I want you to understand that. People began to get an idea of how powerful the ark was. And so people began to fight for the ark. Watch this now. So even though you're a tabernacle or a temple, when people get notice of the power of God living inside of you, there becomes conflict. There's a battle to strip you of the God in your life because the devil wants you to be a building without God's ark or presence. Ah, that's all right. You're going to follow me. The ark, listen to me. The Bible says, God, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the ark always needed to be guarded. In other words, people were assigned to watch it. So the ark seems to have a significant importance and it needs a place to of safety. Now, I remember reading baby sister Sharon somewhere in Philippians um, where the Bible says, and the peace of God, watch this now, shall guard your hearts and minds. In other words, the Greek term there says that when the term for guard says that the spirit will say, halt, who goes there? In other words, if you're trying to get close to the God inside of me, the Holy Ghost will raise up 
a holy stop to say, wait a minute, you cannot enter here. Ah, that's all right. I'm trying to get you to see that the importance of you being a Christian is not just about going to church and being in the building, but you must have God in your building. You can't just go to the church and say, I've done my duty. You've got to put the church inside of you. So the ark needs a place. God needs a place. Can he rest in you? Establish arcs. Established arcs without, the. Um, in other words, establish your ark without the tabernacle. A man was killed for carrying the ark the wrong way. That's how powerful, that's how holy the ark was. The Bible says they were carrying the ark back from retrieving it. The man slipped and tripped on a pothole and to keep the ark from falling, he touched it to try to hold it up. God said, you're going to die. On the spot, he dies for touching the Ark of the Covenant because that's how powerful it is. So now you wonder if God is inside of you, how holy is your life? You've got to understand if God would kill a man for touching the Ark the wrong way while he was traveling with it, why do you not think God would order you to live a certain way because the Ark is inside your life? I'm tr- That's all right. You're not ready for this. The Ark had to be guarded day and night. In other words, you must guard your holiness. You must guard your sanctity. You must guard your faith. Listen, this ark symbolized the presence of the Lord. And whenever the Lord was present, there was victory. What good is a place without the ark, y'all? What good is a place without the ark, cousin Kevin? It it don't make no sense. As the tabernacle, as the tabernacle grew old and faded with purpose, there arose a need to build something different. Somebody they ought to look at their life and say, I need to build something different. Solomon was supposed to build the temple and the tabernacle was going away anyway. So that's what the meaning of the ark was. I wanted to show you how the ark fit in this particular pro- program or this, this process. But let me then show you uh, this aspect. How does this connect with the New Testament? How does this connect with the Jesus we know raising from the from the dead? What does a tabernacle and a temple have to do with me? We will discover that just as the tabernacle sat with no ark, so does a people stand with no God. Have you ever, listen to me, have you, listen to me, oh, let me give you this visual. Have you ever, listen, have you ever driven around the city or a neighborhood, what looks like a deserted neighborhood? Watch what I'm saying. Listen to me, Big Ben. Have you ever driven around the community and all you see is empty lots and land filled with buildings boarded up? You know, you're looking at community developers and the mayor and you're trying to figure out why are all of these lands so destitute? They stand, but no one is in them. Buildings and edifices in there, but nobody. And you look at them with potential. You look at them like, man, I sure could open a hair salon right there. Actually, Starla could open her. Starla could open her hair salon. And so watch this now. Watch this. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is good, Shanika. Listen, when community developers, listen, when community developers come in to try to make things better, what do they call it? They call it a revitalization project. Ah, you're going to miss it. I'm 
telling you there's a field in the community. There's a bunch of fields in the community with wasted, vacant, empty buildings and empty fields. And a community developer comes in and says, we need a revitalization project. Ah, wait a minute. Let me go back. There's a bunch of people who are tabernacles who are living in sin and who don't have hope. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, we need a resurrection project. And so Jesus says, I can't dog it. I will come in and revitalize your community. I will build, I will build your building. I will rebuild your establishment. I will put computers in it. I will put offices in it. I will put up walls. I will draw lines for parking spaces. I will once again bring people to your place of God dog it. Is anybody seeing what I'm saying? That your life it was out of business. You've gone bankrupt, but God says through the resurrection, I want to open you back up for business. I know so many small businesses that went out of business because of the pandemic. Well, pandemic meet the resurrection. That with Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He gives me the victory. He gives me the possibility to build again. If I have to open it up and start from scratch, I can do it in Jesus' name. There is no franchise that cannot be what God has called you to be because he is the resurrection. He is the life. He has the power to give you the ability to stand up strong. Anybody need a revitalization project? So when Jesus called his revitalization project, he called it the resurrection. He came to bring some unoccupied buildings back to life. He came to kill a tabernacle and to raise a temple. Let me explain it to you. Are you still with me? Let me know. Are they tracking joy? I don't want to be a people with no God. First, we had a tabernacle with no ark. But now we don't want to be a people with no God. As I look at this nation, I look at this world, and I look at the trouble we're going through, I I just feel like sometimes that maybe the parenting got awry. You know, maybe when we were little kids, mama used to make us go to Sunday school. You know, there used to be a requirement back in the day that you needed some kind of biblical teaching. But this new baby boomer, X and Z, you know, nobody requires them to study the Bible. Nobody requires them to go to Sunday school. Nobody requires them to go to Bible study. Nobody requires, all they just want to do is play games and technology. You ought to make your son or daughter read the word of God. You ought to make them go to church with you as long as they live in your house and don't pay rent. It is a requirement for you. Otherwise, they grow up being a people with no God. And so we have a lot of people now in the world who have a lot of wisdom. They have a lot of smarts. They're geniuses. My God, they're smart. But they have no God. And you can have all the smartness in the world, but without God, nothing will change. God, if you live in a world where there is no God, there will be many things that you have created and developed, but there will be no change. Look at how far we've progressed. There ain't no change in hate. There's no change in evil. There's no change in, in racism. There's no change in the brutality. We're still going back to voter suppression laws and we're we're backtracking. Why? Because we are a nation that has lost the sight of God. We have lost the concept of putting him first. And so we rather focus on geniusness and focus on uh, technology instead of focusing on God. 
I got to move off this, but I want to tell you something. Politics is much like this. Politics is the realm for man to rule because man lives to please the people. That's what politics is. Politics is the place where man can rule because he lives to please the people. But the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom, is where man lives to please God because God is in control. So God is the place where the kingdom is where God rules. Politics is where man rules. And so there's this constant frustration of man in the world trying to please people. Eight billion plus people in the world, you will never be able to please everybody. There will never be everybody agreeing with the Democrats. There will never be everybody agreeing with the Republicans. There will never be everybody agreeing with your church. There will never be everybody agreeing with your philosophy of business. Just get that in your head. In order to please God, that's where you should focus. Be a franchisee that doesn't open to please the people, open to please God. That way you can serve more people because whenever you're trying to please a people, you got to do it the way they say do it. But when you please God, when you do it out of love, it reaches the masses. Love transcends all racial divides. It does all things in the way that God, I got to move on. Interestingly, God has used the same terms, tabernacle and temple, to describe Christians and God. So if the Old Testament had a problem with keeping the ark in the tabernacle, then Christians today would have a problem keeping God in their hearts. Ah, if the tabernacle had a problem with fighting for the ark, then you ought to be aware that the devil is going to try to get you off base with God. This sets the stage then for Jesus' res- resurrection. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Let me read it real quick for you and let me give it to you in plain English. For we know that our earthly house, there it is, of this tabernacle were dissolved. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have what? A building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So notice that we're in tabernacles now. And if this tabernacle dissolves, we have a building, a permanent place. So so stick with me. That's, That's what I've been teaching you. Verse two, for in this, we groan earnestly desiring to be cold, clothed upon with our house. Remember I told you tabernacle unclothed, but clothed upon is a house of permanent. He says clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. I don't want to be naked here for we are in this. Here it is. Tabernacle do groan being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. In other words, that we would be clothed upon with what is permanent. So verse five, now he that has wrought us for this selfsame thing is God, who also has given unto us the earnest of the spirit. Therefore, we are always confident. Watch this now. Here's the verse. And this is why it's important. You've heard it at every funeral. You've heard it at every funeral. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. There it is. Do you see it? When you're in the tabernacle, you are absent from God. God is not in the tabernacle for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now here's the flip side of it. Verse eight, for we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be, watch this, we're willing rather to be 
absent from the body, I would rather be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So even though in my tabernacle, I'm away from God, I'd rather be where God is. In other words, I want to change from tabernacle to temple. So verse nine says, wherefore we labor, we work at it. Mama Cain, we work at it. We we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. We want to be accepted of him, whether we are in the tabernacle or whether we are in the temple. So let me give you this. We are tabernacles looking for a new building to house God. We are tabernacles looking for a new building to house God. So we are like the tabernacle. God is the ark. The tabernacle in Corinthians is described as our bodies on earth. The temple or the building is now in heaven. Verses two and four said, we groan for the new because we understand that something is missing from this house. We groan to be where God is because we know something is missing here. When we have to deal with the virus and a pandemic and cancer and leukemia and all that, we, we groan to be where God is because if God was here in his full strength and power, we wouldn't have to deal with this. So we know that there is a separation. He's coming back to get us, but until then, we are groaning. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? So we groan for that because we understand we're missing something. We're tabernacles without the ark. Verses six through eight said, while on earth, we are absent from God. And when I'm absent from the body, I am present with God. Well, I've said it at a, at a funeral. I say, well, once they die, once the tabernacle deceases, deceases, then they go to be with God in the presence of God. So that tabernacle has ended. And so we must have a symbolic representation of that tabernacle and be able to join with God in a way in which our bodies cannot. Ah, stick with me. I'm almost done. We are the temple of God. Watch this collectively together. But as earthly individuals, our bodies are tabernacles. Watch this now. You're going to miss it. In other words, as an individual, my body is nothing but a tabernacle. But when this body, when this soul connects with that soul and connects with that soul, in other words, as the collective body of Christ, we then can house God in our hearts. Watch this now. So when the Bible says God is in your heart, he's saying that he lives in the community of believers. Uh, The building is when we all come together. The building is when we unite. I tell you, do you you remember the Bible said one can put a thousand flight, two can put 10,000 a flight. You would be amazed when people get on one accord. Do you remember in Acts when the people got on one accord the spirit fell when we start acting like we're a unity that's when God's presence comes to our lives in power you got to stop being a lone ranger and learn that the resurrection has called us all together the resurrection is not just to save you it's to save us and us are we are the family of God we are the body of God so if everybody in this ministry right here let me just take this 15 or 20 that I lead 
need. If we all would get together on one accord, can you imagine the presence of God and what he would do at our altar calls and for our family members? But when you jump on and jump off, don't say nothing, don't give, don't chime in, don't pray, don't do nothing. You break the chain. You establish a tabernacle without the presence of God. But it's a few of us, it's a handful of us who are holding it together. We believe in God for great things and we keep asking every week for you to join on board. Our bodies are temporary. They are dying. Just like a tabernacle, like I told you. It's a tabernacle, right? It's a tabernacle. It's dying. It's fading out of function. And this body yearns for a new building. Every time I look in the mirror, I see myself kind of fading away. I see more gray gray hair. I see extra weight. I'm slowing down. My knees don't respond the way they used to. But I'm looking for a building not made with hands. So the resurrection comes to ensure that we all get new bodies that can handle the capacity of God and our Ark of the Covenant. Because right now, God would not even be able to dwell in me in his full capacity because this temporary fallible body would not be able to contain him. But when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be because we can house God when we are the body of Christ. And nobody asks you to be the one-man show. It's all of us when we come together. God dog it. Get your family together and I'll tell you God will show up. So the resurrection comes to ensure us new bodies. I don't know about you, but is anyone tired of being an old tent and you want to be torn down and raised up? Oh, there it is. I remember driving around the city looking for buildings to house the ministry years ago. I drove around the hotels. I remember looking at vacant lots. I remember looking at leased places and old degraded buildings and I was looking at them with excitement. I was looking at them. I remember telling Joy. I remember telling the, uh, the team and, and Nita. We're like, well, what we could do. And when we walked in, they first said, man, this is a dump. This is, this is a joke, PC. They thought, oh, it's too much work. The floors were bad. The place, there were chairs everywhere. Windows were broken. It needed to be painted. They couldn't see the vision. I'm telling you, God is sitting there looking at somebody right now. And I'm saying, he's saying to you, I see the divorce happening. I see the foreclosure. I know you're struggling fighting but I'm looking at you as a vacant lot. I'm looking at you with vision and excitement that I can revive whatever you're living through. I can change your life. I can empower you again. Woo! And not long after while I got the crew together, I said, we're going to clean this place up right there on La Brea. We went in and we mopped the floors and we buffed the floors out and we put up ficus trees and we got new lights and we bought a new table and put a plant in the foyer. We bought desks together. We put them together together ourselves till two o'clock in the morning weary eyed we put the glass days so put the phone in that's when we had t1 lines and we had to have the internet and different computer computers and all of that we had to have our assignments and machines and instruments and all that we built it up it didn't look like much at first i came to tell somebody you don't look like much right now but give god a chance the resurrection came to give you the power to change i removing remove i remember moving from hotel to a borrowed church We were working at Iglesia del Dio over there in Hawthorne. We moved to a retail business facility, to a ballroom, y'all. We went to a ballroom where the strobe light was still on. The strobe light was in the building. We got up on that stage and we had church. We turned church into a VIP room with couches. We had special guests come in. We did whatever we... I'm telling somebody, you look at your marriage and you say, God can revitalize it. 
You look at your income and you say, God can revitalize it. You look at your health and you say, God can revitalize it. Anybody ever move from an apartment to a new house? Do you know what it's like to get the keys? <laughs> oh, I could shout right now. If you get the keys to the new house, ain't no more landlord, ain't no more lease, ain't no more rent payment. It's mortgage now, but it's yours. <laughs> you can do what you want with it. You can paint it what you want to paint it. You can put the furniture where you want to put it. I'm telling you, God says I'm moving you out of a tabernacle into a temple. It's nothing. It's like nothing else you can describe. I'm giving you what he's saying. Basically, I'm giving you back the ownership of your life. You have been under the control of a divisive enemy. You have been under the control of a manipulative or abusive spouse or partner. You've been under the control of low self-esteem. I'm giving you your ownership back. I am reestablishing permanence in your life. No more rent. I'm going to give you a life of stability. Stop this up and down roller coaster. Married, not married, single, not single, up, down, sexing, no sexing, texting, no texting, doing, no doing, whatever it is, you got to live this up and like, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Stand up and get some stability in your life. How is this possible? How do we move from tabernacle to temple? I'm glad you asked on this Easter Sunday. How do I move, Pastor Cherry, from this? Give me the word, PC. Help me understand it. Jesus is the first tabernacle to turn temple. He is the first fruit. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you tabernacle or are you temple? Ah, the question is, the question is, what fixes the tabernacle with no ark? The problem which is for us, what fixes? What fixes this PC that I'm living, but I know I'm not living with God first? What remedies this whole people with no God in crisis? What is the fix for the tabernacle with no ark? What is the fix for the people with no God? Verses 16 and 17 of the next passage we're going to read says, we used to know Jesus in the tabernacle, but we don't know him that way anymore. Is there anybody who has forgotten who you were because they can't recognize you because there's such a change in your life that you move from a tabernacle to a temple? When you come to Christ, your old tabernacle goes on the market. It is for sale <laughs> and your new house begins construction. If you've ever had a house built from the ground up, there's a process. You got to go and pick all your your, the, the design and whether you want marble and want this, you want a deck or do you want the suite over here? You go through all the design, you pick your cabinet, you pick all that and then you, you go you go and you watch them put the foundation down and you, and you watch them put this there and you, you, you watch them go through the process but that's when you get to see your life on construction. Some of you are in construction but it's not the tabernacle. You're being built up into a new temple. From tabernacle to temple apartment to house, sinner to save, from babe in Christ to powerful disciple. Let me explain it to you. Here's the text and we're going to send you home on this. Oh, rev them up, Ben Senior. Let's get ready to go. Take us home, don't you see? Wherefore, henceforth, know we, no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth, there it is in blue, know we 
him no more. Jesus had a tabernacle. Jesus had a bottle, a body just like ours. He had a body that could be killed. It was a tabernacle. He said, we used to know him as a tabernacle, but watch the text says, watch it. I like it change. I like it change. I like it change. Verse 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. So the text says, we used to know Jesus as a tabernacle, but he switched over to temple. He was, listen, he was a tabernacle, but he now is a temple. Now, Jesus as a tabernacle was never without the ark, but he was a symbol. He was a sign of the decaying body. He was a sign that as that body could die and rise, he was saying to us, your body can die and rise. He and the father are one, so they are never separated. He can never be the tabernacle without the ark because he is the ark. That dog, you going to miss it. So he establishes this truth and presence for us. But the fact that Jesus transitioned from a temporary tent to a permanent house gives us hope that we can do the same. That's what the resurrection is all about. The resurrection is about an old tattered tabernacle can go to the cross and be killed and raise up and be something else. This is the power of the resurrection. The resurrection tears down our temporariness and gives us a permanent home. It takes away our old and it replaces it with something new. I don't know, is anybody getting this? And that's what the message is all about. The resurrection, a temple has risen. Oh, watch this now. Watch this now. I'm going to give you something that you're going to, it's going to drive you home. A temple risen, not built. And this is the difference between building buildings and raising buildings. How do you raise a building, PC? What are you talking about? Well, let me give you this. Anyone knows that a building takes time to build. Anyone knows that when you're building a building, it takes months. You've got to get all the resources. You've got to get all the details. Anyone knows that when you build a building, it takes time. But what, little Ben, if buildings could be risen instead of built? What if you could raise up the building instead of building the building? Woo! Would there be an advantage to begin? I feel him now. I feel him down because the power of the resurrection is not about it being built. It's about it being risen. How can that be a difference? I'm glad you ask. Here it is. Look at the text. The text said it like this. Verse 18, John 2, verse 18 said, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them. Here it is. Watch this now. Watch this, Jared. He says, Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Uh Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Watch this now. Watch this. Look at the text. The text says in 19, then said the Jews, 40 and six years was this temple in building. It took 46 years to build this temple. And wilt thou rear it up in three days? (laughs) But he spake of the temple of his body. Whoa, you're going to miss it. He said, I ain't talking about a building. 
I'm talking about a body. I'm changing tabernacles to temples. Ah, look at the final text. He says, when therefore he was, what? Risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. This story sits in the context of Jesus having dialogue with the Jews just before his death and he says to them, I will rebuild this temple in three days that it took you 46 years to build. Somebody say, I need signs, I need speed, and I need a switch. I got a sign, I got speed, and I got a switch. The difference in buildings risen and not being built is a sign, is speed, and it's a switch. Jesus' resurrection fixes the void in our lives with a sign. The Jews ask, what sign will you give us that you will be able to do this? Now, I want you to understand, this is a sign that points to a higher reality. A sign points to a higher reality. So watch this. What is a sign? What is a sign? I'm a sign because I point to something greater. In other words, when you look at me, (laughs) I am not completely what you should see. I am a sign that points to something greater. In other words, you ought to look at me with optimism. You ought to look at me with potential because as a sign, God said, I'm a symbol of of permanence. I'm a symbol of wholeness. I'm a symbol of the presence of God. So when you look at God, when you look at his people, you look at a sign that says God is present. Number two, we look at speed. He says what took 46 years in the flesh to build, Jesus can do it in three days. In other words, when you're risen, time is not an issue. And I want to say to some people who are 65, who are 48, or 72, and you were like, I ain't got enough time to do it in my last days. My tabernacle is going down. I came to tell you God can raise your tabernacle into a temple in less than three days. It is not about 46 years. You don't need a whole time of life to live to do what God has called you to do. Jesus didn't start his ministry officially until he was 30. He did three and a half years of preaching and in those three and a half years he changed the world. I came to tell somebody that in your latter days you will see an expedience upon your life. You will see a transition into a life where time is not an issue. It's about impact. It's not about how long you've been doing. It's about how effective you do it. Come on, preach PC. I'm trying to tell you that God is going to change your life to where it is the power of your life that matters, not the longevity of your life that matters. I got to move on. The third one is a switch. Our bodies are tabernacles. His body is a temple. Everywhere else, our bodies refer to tabernacles, but his body is now referred to as a temple. Do you see in the text we read, his body was 
referred to as a temple. When we read in the Bible about our bodies, our bodies are referred to a tabernacle. But Jesus' body is a temple. Why? Because he went from temple, from tabernacle to temple. So there must be a switch. So when when homegrown, it's better quality. The switch is this. Watch this. The switch is, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I ought to be. But every day I'm growing in God's grace. The Lord is helping me along the way. As I walk along this tedious journey, His Holy Ghost is changing me from a cursor, a liar, a smarty pants into a discernible, wise child of God who's making better decisions. In other words, a switch ought to happen where you ought not go the places you used to go. Do the things you used to do. Talk the way you used to talk. But God has brought a switch. Somebody say, give me a switch. When he was risen in three days, they knew risen buildings stand out because it says, no way it could have been done that fast by man. I'm telling you, your life is going to stand out because people are going to say, ain't no way you go from ambiguity to notoriety in three days. I've been trying to get seen for 32 years. I've been working the grind. I've been working the music industry trying to, but when God does it, he does it. In other words, there is such a power in which you stand out where it could not have been done. People are going to look at you and say, ain't nobody but God. In other words, your life changes where people have to say, ain't nobody but God who did that. They gave you two weeks to live, six months to live, but God changed. (laughs) I know what the doctor said. It's stage four. It's stage eight. But God said, I'm going to reverse it all the way to stage zero. Woo! And you've been living since God and don't worry, I'm telling you, don't worry about it. Even if God doesn't take it away, live with power. Live like your tabernacle is changing. Because when you lay down that old weary body, you got a building in heaven that you will never feel pain. You will never feel cancer. You will never feel another ouch in your body. And you ought to shout now. Every time your pain gets in your body, you ought to say, I thank you that I'm getting a new one. I thank you that this pain ain't gonna last always. I'm healed by the blood of God, I feel preachy here. Come on, PC, stop this now. It won't be like, listen, people will know you switch. It won't be like a building project, but it'll be more just like he hit the switch. Anybody seen the low riders? Anybody run down Critchaw? Anybody roll through Westwood? What do we say? What's that? Nipsey Hustle, Nipsey, Nipsey, all of them, my brothers out there, and they hit the switch on the ride. In other words, your life will change as quick as God can hit the switch. Hit my switch, God. When I walk in a dark room, I can change the darkness by the flip of a switch. If you just hit the switch and turn the light on, God said, I'm not going to take 46 years to turn your light on. I'm just going to hit the switch. A low riders. Get a little high. All right, now, I digress. Wait a second. But I want you to understand that God is going to reunite you with God with the flip of a switch. Somebody say, God, hit the switch. Let me conclude with this thought because I know you're tired of me now. This is what I have to say. Conclusion this Easter Sunday. 
I encourage you to change your tabernacle in for a temple. Anybody want to bring your tabernacle in? I remember taking my old Mazda RX-7. It was running raggedy. The window wouldn't roll down and I, I tried to hide all the things that were broken. But I was trading it in for Camry. <laughs> but I had to take it in. I had to take, they wasn't coming to get the Mazda. I had to take it in. I'm telling you, you got to take your tabernacle to God. You got to trade your tent for a building. You got to trade your apartment in for a house. You've got to trade your sin for salvation. You've got to bring it in. Somebody say, bring it in. Place your order today for the new development of mansions in God's kingdom. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. So that where I am there, ye may be also in my father's house are many tabernacles. No, it didn't say tabernacles. It said are many mansions, are many permanent residences for you. And he says, come to me and I will put your order in. I will reserve your place. I got a mansion seated next to some of my friends, my family members. I've got a place that's being built right now in glory. It's waiting on me because I came to the altar just as I was. I came claiming my building. I want you to come, not just in heaven. I want you to build your building on earth. I want you to build as in the verb form. In other words, claim what you want to build. In other words, come to this altar and say, I want to build a better family. I want to build a better community. And yes, I want to build a building, an actual 225,000 square foot building that you want to give the glory to God to in his kingdom. Except Jesus today, he wants to see the death of your tabernacle and the birth of your temple today. I'm PC and that's all. I've got. <laughs>